You are listening to the Torah Sparks Podcast, the podcast that finds and ignites sparks of spiritual light and meaning in anything and everything, bringing out lessons and values straight from the Holy Torah. I am your host, Ori Strum. Let's jump right in. I'll never forget, I got a call from a tenant. I'm sitting in the office and he calls me and he starts complaining, hey, my oven is not working and it's so difficult because I can't cook my roach. And I'm like, almost like gagged. I mean, you can't cook your roach? Um, So after further clarification, it came to my realization that this individual actually said roast, not roach. Um, I had heard him as if he wanted to cook a roach, um, but really he said to cook a roast. Now, that might sound nasty, that might sound crazy, but and, and I happen to mis, mishear him in this case, but I have to share with you, there is a recently published news article from Time Magazine called, They're Healthy, They're Sustainable, So Why Don't Humans Eat More Bugs? That was, this was the name of an article that caught my attention, and the author writes that approximately 2 billion people, mostly in Africa, Latin America, and Asia, already eat insects. And in places like Europe and North America, where bugs were once upon a time associated with filth, nastiness, the attitudes are slowly changing and shifting to normalize the consumption of creepy crawlers. The United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, the FAO, says that agricultural production worldwide will have to increase by 70% in order to feed the global population expected to reach 9.1 billion by the year 2050. It's in about 30 years, a little less than that. However, the demand for animal protein is increasing the strain on the environment, and decreasing meat production would actually help remove the pressure to expand livestock operations while freeing up existing land to restore native ecosystems and increase biodiversity. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Essentially, what the FAO is suggesting is that there, the, uh, producing meat is going to just be, uh, it's going to be a tremendous amount of money. There's so much work that goes into it. And therefore, the FAO, the, the, the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, they offer a sustainable alternative to going meat-free. What are they going to do? Uh, you know, you can't go, like, there's, so much, there's so much money and so, so, so many things involved to produce meat. And to, to shy away from that isn't so easy. But you know what they said? Edible insects. Many species of insects, and I quote, are rich in protein and contain significantly higher sources of minerals, such as iron, zinc, copper, and magnesium than beef. Pound for pound, insect farming and processing requires less land, water, and feed than traditional livestock. And in addition, it produces lower greenhouse gas emissions. And we're all about that greenhouse gas life. By the way, I don't know if I said this before or not, but for all those um, environmentalists out there, um, you know, for people who care so much about the environment and the health and the you know all that good, all that good stuff. It is important to just realize that you know wind turbines, which are supposedly saving energy and and things like that, they they had a side um, lack of benefit. How would you call that? A side negative um, impact that. 
people aren't talking about. And that is about every year, about half a million birds die um, in these wind turbines. So again, everything you have to take with a grain of salt. Like, I mean, yeah, the wind turbines are, you know, affecting positive change in terms of energy. But I mean, if you're worried about the environment, if you're worried about all that good, healthy stuff, I mean, the killing of almost a million birds a year. I mean, that's you have to kind of think about what's important. But, anyways, we have to see. We, we, there's something um, astounding here from the FAO, and that's they're trying to reintroduce and and globally spread this consumption of edible insects. I mean, enough said. We're living in creepy times, creepy crawly times in the world, even the more sophisticated. No longer is it just in those random corners of Zimbabwe or, you know, other random places on this world. I mean, even the more sophisticated and upscale socioeconomic sectors are becoming more and more aware of the health benefits of eating bugs. A few examples of edible insects, I did some research, are beetles, caterpillars, bees, ants, and crickets. And it's becoming more and more normal to use insect flour, to eat roasted salted crickets, and to sprinkle beetle larvae over salad. I mean, if that doesn't make you gag or throw up, I'm not sure what will. In this week's Parsha, Parsha Shemini, the Torah strongly forbids us from the consuming of shrutzim. Shrutzim, again, the Torah goes through many things that are kosher, many things that are not kosher, and part of the non-kosher list is shrutzim, insects, creepy crawlies. And of course Hashem knows about the physical benefits of consuming bugs. After all, He created them, right? Right. However, like everything in life, there's a spiritual factor as well, and that cannot be ignored. And for the sake of our spiritual soul, for the sake of our ruchnias, Hashem says, don't eat shratzim. Do not consume creepy crawlers. But the question is, why? And I found a fascinating insight on the Haggadah. Um, in the section of Magid, on the Haggadah Shal Pesach, we say a pasuk in Shemos. We say, "Uvnei Yisrael paru vayishritzu vayirbu vayatzmu b'meod meod vatimale haaretz osam." The Jewish people were fruitful. They teamed vayishritzu. Remember that word vayishritzu. They teamed, meaning they increased tremendously. And they became very strong, very much so that the land became filled with them. The Sforno points out the word Vayishritsu comes from the word, that's right, you guessed it, Sheretz, which refers to a creepy crawly, an insect, a bug. And he explains that the Torah is telling us how the Jewish people started behaving disgusting and lowly, like Shratzim. In his words, Natu Lidarke Shratzim. They leaned, they started behaving like a Sheretz like a bug. The very next Pasuk says that a new Egyptian king arose and it was a new era. It was the era that began with the Jewish slavery, tor- turmoil, and subjugation. And Rav Kopelman Shlita, based on this forno, he explains, I saw this in, in his Agada. he explains that unlike humans who hold their heads up high, like physically, we, we walk on two feet, we hold ourselves up, we walk from side to side, right? We, we walk, meaning on our, on our two feet with our heads up high, feet below. The heads of Shratzim are 
focused on the lowly ground, right? They're they're leaning towards the ground. And homiletically, he says that you can read the words of the pasuk Vatimale Haaretz Osam as follows. Again, Pashup Shah, the simple way of reading that is that the land became filled with them. With the, with the Jewish people. But the Rav Kopelman is saying it, that the Jewish people started behaving like Shratzim. Vatimale ha'aretz osam. The Jewish people became filled. Vatimale ha'aretz osam. Aretz is what filled them up. They became filled with Aretz, with Adama, with Gashmias, with the lowliness, with the Gashmias of Egypt. And this was the beginning of their downfall and their lowly state of being in Egypt. If it was... Shratzim, and just think about this, if it was Shratzim acting lowly like an insect that brought us down, then it's the opposite, the avoidance of Shratzim, or the going up, the running away from an attitude of, right, Sharetz represents shiftless, lowliness. If we run away from that, and we hold ourselves up high like what real humans are supposed to be, that will surely elevate us. And this explains... A peculiar Gemara in Baba Metziah 61b, it says, had, I, had Hashem not brought the Jewish people up from Egypt except to abstain from consuming shratzim, dayam, it would have been enough. What Shaykh is a shratzim and leaving Egypt, it's exactly this point. is because the whole, the whole Yisod of going down and starting the slavery started because we were acting low. We were behaving like shratzim. And it's the avoidance of that. When the Torah tells us don't eat shratzim, it's because spiritually speaking, we don't want to be lowered. Yeah, it might have some physical benefits, like it's proven in the FAO, um, and we're seeing in the advent of, of technology and science and, and whatnot. But from a spiritual perspective, eating the consuming of shratzim can have a danger effect, can have a dangerous effect on your soul because shratzim represents shiftless, represents lowness, just like the insects hold their heads very, very low for the and and and, and are involved and are osake in the ground. And we don't want to have anything to do with that. In Judaism, the opposite of shiftless is what? Is kedusha, is holiness. Eating shratzim, despite its health benefits, is not conducive to a life of kedusha. Kedusha, to a life of holiness. And we're forbidden. The Torah tells us don't consume creepy crawlers because we don't want to spiritually influence ourselves to be earthly and lowly. We want to be up. We want to be above. We want to be filled with Kedusha. It's interesting. Um, you know, the numerical value of Shemini is 410. Um, happens to be the word Shafel, which means low, is also 410. Happens to be the word Kadosh, is, uh, which means holy, is also 410. And just perhaps what Parsha Shemini is coming to remind us is that we have two avenues. We could take the shuffle approach and live lowly like, like these creatures and be involved in an osik in this world and in, in, in Gashmias um, for the wrong reasons. But that, that's not what we want. We want to be the opposite. We want to be involved in Kedusha, in holy matters, in lifting up the world, in being involved in Gashmias, yes, but elevating the Gashmias so that it becomes spiritual. Um, and Hashem should give us the strength and the koch to be able to to be able to do this, to be able to lift up the world a, a, around us, like the Ramchal says. That uh, when you do something good, you're lifting yourself up and the world around you, and that's really the essence of of, of Yiddishkeit is to do that. With that said, we're going to close for this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Torah Sparks. Please share, please rate, please review. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, and have an amazing week. We'll see you next time.